Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's show is a little bit different. We're not watching a movie this week, but we are giving out awards. This is an award show. And I, I, I wanted like an award soundtrack. We couldn't get the budget for it, but you know, it, was, it is what it is. In fact, we don't have any budget for it, but we are giving awards today. I just want to uh, say, I, I, did, I did a great trumpet sound right there, Cameron. You it did. That was you good. Conti- you continued. You're just like, it didn't even phase you, you know? No, you're it was like, good. Yeah, this, was this good. makes complete sense, right? I, I appreciated the, the hype track. That was good. Um, yeah, no, we are giving out some awards. I think we'll have some fun today. We'll go over some terrible movies that we watched this year, some amazing movies that we watched this year. And really, we'll, we'll we'll look back and maybe we'll find one that we want to revisit in the future. And um, I'm excited about it, about it. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Over. I'm excited about this show. I think, um, you know, doing an award show is weird <laughs> for an, an expert and a casual. But I, I feel like my my. I was going to say discography, but my experience watching movies <laughs> that doesn't make any sense uh, has expanded so much that, um, yeah, like looking back at this year is nuts. Just the yeah. the, the directors that we explored, uh, very iconic names that I knew before doing this podcast with you. And now it's like looking at the list. It's like, that's a lot of movies. It was yeah, it hard is crazy. To, it was it was hard to pin some of these awards, but we just kind of sent it, you know. So yeah, well, I mean, just think. I mean, that was that's that's year two, I think, of us or into year three of us doing this. Yeah. So and and we're on episode. Uh, what does that say? I guess one. We're on one nineteen right now. Yes. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, it's crazy. We we are, uh, you know, you are pushing into the, you know, over a hundred movies that we've watched together, um, and it's it's just insane. It's it's crazy to call you a a casual because you're not really. You've watched I would say th- a lot of movies. A, there's at least sixty movies that were important in there. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I would say probably. Mm, yeah, maybe sixties around around the right spot. But <laughs> sometimes we throw in those random ones. They're just like, why are they doing this? This and yeah. it was like, I had an idea. That's why we decided <laughs> to watch this this week. No, <laughs> we're we very organized. We're very organized, Cameron. How's life for you? What's going on with you? Life's been good. I I got a new espresso machine, so I'm cracked out. Did I talk oh, about this yeah. last week? You talked about it to me. I'm pretty oh, sure okay. we talked about it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. I've been getting up early. <laughs> it's 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 nice. It's really nice. Um, and yeah, good good stuff there. Uh, I watched The Last of Us, the two episodes that are out cr- currently, um, and I really like it. I think it's great. They are doing a great a great job so far. It's very uh, close to the sh- to the to the game, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Though I I know you and I were talking about it a little bit, and you said that it was kind of a little bit unengaging for you just because you've you've played the game. For me, I was actually really into it, um, and I was surprised at that because I I 
I was expecting to kind of drift off and think about other things while I was doing it. Um, but I was pretty hooked and I think it's, it does a really good job of the tension that you feel from the game. Um, the one thing that I thought I think is kind of weird, uh, maybe it's just a me thing and being so familiar with the game is there are moments where it's like you, you really do feel like this is, this is like the cutscene part of the game, and this is the you're playing part of the game. You know what I mean? Mm. Like yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. does still feel a little bit segmented in that way, and I'm not sure if it's just me, like staying in the framework of the thing that I already know, or if it's doing that on purpose because that's just the pace of the game and it's kind of trying to follow the flow at least for the first two ep- or you know however many episodes trying to follow the flow of the game i don't know but that's just been my experience i really enjoyed it um and you know i'm i'm excited to keep watching yeah i've i've been watching it too i think the best part about um watching the show has been watching it with Jules who's a big fan of zombies zombie stuff i'm not sure uh, why she likes it, I think it's just an exciting level. It, it, for her, she said that like sci-fi has to be like grounded in some kind of reality, and that's what makes it interesting. She doesn't like when it's in space or in fantasy <laughs> la-la land, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, watching the show for me has been conflicting because I do love that they're nailing what the game does and it seems to be resonating with Jules as someone who doesn't have any experience with the game. But as someone who's played the game, I feel a little bit more uninterested because I know a lot of the plot beats and I think it's still written in a way that's very entertaining and you'll be engaged if you're not into gaming. I just, I can't help but feel like what you're saying and there's like segmented gameplay and cutscene there's like a missing element of the game in the show where like the action and, and stuff that happens in the, in the TV show, like is way less exciting than playing it and like experiencing kind of the brutality and like being like kind of grossed out when you're playing the game and stuff, you know, like there's just this missing element uh, that makes it feel a little bit more, heavy i think is probably the best word because everything in the game so far or in the show has been you know it's been like brutal it's been exciting um but i think like i the violence level like sort of reminds me somewhat of game of thrones without the like just because it's hbo without like the like almost comical element of violence with it Mm -hmm. so it's just like grounded violence yeah. And it's good. It fits its place, but there's just this other layer when you play the game where you are participating in sure. that grounded violence that makes your your um morals kind of begin to gut twist. Everything feels a little heavier. Yeah. I feel like they du- yeah. they double down on that in the second game as well. Definitely. Uh, and um yeah, I'm just like I wonder how that's going to continue as the show goes. And also like you were saying, I think that in episode two, especially, it's very linear. There's like a small cast. They're kind of going down these different areas, um, just like the game is. But in a game, that makes sense. 
to be playing something linear in a TV show. You're kind of like, when are we going to cut to the second character? There's gotta be something else kind of going on. Mm. It's interesting that the show's second episode starts with kind of a different scene to kind of mix up stuff. But then the rest of the show, you're sort of in that 1917 journey. Right. Um, and I don't know if, you know, I do like the opening sequence, um, and I think it's a really interesting sort of flavor that they're doing where it has the cold open and kind of you get a little background as you're going along. I think they can do a lot with that, but I totally agree. It It is lacking a little bit of um, the classic, you know, cross-cutting maybe, but maybe that's okay. Maybe we don't need to see anything else that's going on. We can We can kind of follow them on their journey, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't. I don't want to talk about it for too much longer because I don't think there's that much there to discuss. Yeah. Um. Just the linear nature of a journey. I think I hunger for something on screen that's like a little more varied. Mm-hmm. Um. If if you think about a journey like in Lord of the Rings or one of the movies we might talk, we're going to talk about. We watched 1917 this last year. Um, I think the interesting thing about a linear journey like that is that there are all these sections in that journey that feel like um, iconic moments from like the early trench crossing to like being stuck in the tunnels to, you know, that open field area with the farm. Like there's very like memorable moments in that journey. Right. And I think The Last of Us is supposed to have that, but I don't know. Like in the game, it makes sense. And maybe I, I'm just confused because I've played the game. You know, I'm like, is this an iconic moment as a viewer? Or is it just that I know it? Do you know right, what I mean? Right, and right. that's why yeah. I know. Like, like, oh, yeah, the water part, you know, or the part where they cross <laughs> or they look at the Capitol building. Right. There's all these like right. little moments that I'm like, I know that from the game. Does I'm just confused. Right. So um, I think if just to wrap this up around like a game conversation, I'm more interested in something like what people have said they loved about arcane or, um, what is it? The cyberpunk edge runners where it's like an in universe lore exploration. I don't know if that works in the last of us. I'm kind of interested in PlayStation's twisted metal show. Cause I feel like that's going to really send in that direction. And I absolutely hate the prospects of a god of war show i just i cannot stand that i just i so we will see with these video game adaptations but so far so good uh haven't really been watching anything else in terms of movies so um i guess we get right into the awards yes awards time and we're gonna start off with a couple not so good awards some razzies maybe you could call oh yes um, this is what you're here for. Anyway, yes, so this we is know. what you're here We're going to start with what's good. <laughs> the first or award <laughs> is the paint drying award. Yes. This is the most boring movie that we watched this year. Um, Isaac, what is your paint drying movie? You know, I think there could have been a few on sure. this list, <laughs> but there was only one that stood out to me. And this is going to upset people. That's the point <laughs> of, of this this section. For the most boring film, I put 2022's The Batman. I've watched. I have watched this oh. movie. T- I have watched this movie twice, um, <laughs> and that is far too many times uh, for me. I don't know what didn't connect with me on this film, mm. and I don't think 
that aesthetics and a good car chase scene can make a film like be one of the greats, you know? Sure. I do think that there is a depressed spirit in this film that people enjoyed <laughs> in in their tired <laughs> mind state with mm-hmm. and and I really think that's what it's kind of like tapped into. There's something there. But but everything else around the movie, the characters are very like um to note the plot isn't really all that exciting in my opinion. And as far as a detective movie goes, this is just we we see by the way, this year we watched some incredible <laughs> detective movies. Okay? We did, yeah. And maybe I, I had had a little bit of a of the taste of prisoners as well before seeing seeing this film uh the first time, uh, which was something we watched last year. So yeah, just the Batman did not do it for me. Mm. Um I I did it was split on this movie. Cameron, we're gonna talk about another one. <laughs> yeah. I kinda wanted to give it to Manhattan, but that's I, I had to refrain to avoid hurting my friendship with Cameron. So. Well, no, yeah. Manhattan is an interesting one because I could see how someone might think it's boring, but I find it pretty entertaining. But it's kind of it's kind of boring in that you're just following this guy around who's kind of like a loser, you know. And so it's not it's not like the most entertaining movie to ever <laughs> have been made, but it is interesting in that he he has, you know, kind of charisma and whatnot, but um yeah, I I mean I don't think it's like not I can see how someone could say it's boring. The Batman, I have no idea, but I will, because I didn't watch it, but I will say, I do find it interesting, and now this is a movie that I don't think is is perfect, um, but I think it tells you something that, however many years later, what is it, like three years later from Joker, um, people, are ta- people still talk about Joker, um, but, but like, Two months after the Batman came out, nobody was talking about it. They were like, "Oh, what? That movie? The Batman? I don't remember what happened." You know what I mean? And even if yeah. even if the even if Joker isn't like a a ten out of ten slam dunk movie, um, you know, it left a certain amount of impact uh, on 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 the culture at least, and it, it kind of had. It's still you know, there's still memes about it. There's still you know certain things. Um, that that it's left its its little mark, its imprint, um, and I just don't see the Batman having that kind of staying power. I think people are just gonna kind of forget about that movie. Um, so you know, uh, we'll see. But it it seems like people have already forgotten about that movie. <laughs> I think it's a low. It's kind of one of those films that works better if you have lower expectations. But it's just like, how can you have low expectations for Batman? Sure. Yeah. Like that's just. At this point, after, uh, you know, the Snyder trilogy, not Snyder trilogy, the, the uh, Nolan um, trilogy, Nolan trilogy, yeah, and um, some of the stuff that, like, uh, I'm not thinking of, yeah, Nolan, and I'm thinking of the Arkham games, sure, uh, as well. Even even some of the old animated movies, which I explored uh, this year, also, it's just like. You gotta do, you gotta do Batman more than like angry dude, you know. You <laughs> right, just gotta right, do more right. than that. Yeah. Um, well, my so. paint drying award um, is one that that we recently watched, and it was always gonna be this one. 
And I, oh, yeah. I made you sit through it because I wanted, we were having too much fun on this podcast, okay? <laughs> we were. We were watching too many good movies. Oh, I needed okay. to throw in something that sucked. And something that movie, brutal. that movie was Rashomon. I oh. think this movie is just dry as dirt. It really is so boring. Um, like, it should be an interesting concept. Should be something that I like. Um, it has all of the sort of philosophical notes. Uh, it's Japanese, which I like. And it just fails. It just fails so hard. Um, and a movie that did it so much better is The Last Duel, which I think is just an excellent movie, an excellent retelling of this sta- of this tale. Um, and, you know, they don't have to talk to any mediums. They don't have to uh, do anything funny. And it's just a great time. But Rashomon, for me, is one of the most arduous movies that I had to watch, that I had to explain to people why I didn't like. You know what I mean? There's that. There's those kinds of movies where everybody's like, oh, Rashomon, it's a classic. I have to explain why I dislike this movie. It's the same with Breathless, right? It's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, if someone brings it up, I have to say, yeah, don't like that movie. That movie sucks. It's boring. <laughs> it's no fun. And I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know who you hang out with, Cameron, but I, these movies have never been brought up around me. So yeah, well, I've, never had to, I've never had to defend an opinion about them. I, one I of didn't us even is, know that these existed. Before. One of us is the expert and one of us is not, okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is, can kind of tra- transition us into our next award as well, but I marked Rashomon, you know, as the most unapproachable film yeah. uh, this year, which is, um, what? what's the name for this award? I feel like I just flat-tired your awesome name for it. Um, you just don't get it yet award. Y- yeah, yeah. So the, <laughs> the most unapproachable <laughs> is the you just don't get it award, um, <laughs> which is, you know, one of those things that I have to say when I'm defend or, you know, that people say to me when I'm def- I'm, I'm trying to, um, to have a hot take about Rashomon. They just say, you just don't get it. Um, or Breathless, you know, they're like, ugh. You you don't you don't like our weird um, unconventional French movies? Ugh! You just don't get it. You don't have the IQ for this. <laughs> this is going to be controversial, especially because my opinion of French movies is pretty low. But I I think I'd rather watch Breathless than Rashomon. Wow, interesting. Uh, okay, isn't doesn't someone get shot and steal a car at the beginning of that movie? Yeah, if I remember that right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, at least that happens, you know. I <laughs> yeah, but someone film... gets someone uh, dies. Someone gets murdered in this movie. Well, Breathless has got that and more, you know. All <laughs> 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 right. I yeah, I think Rash. Yeah, if you haven't seen the Last Duel. I was I was so impressed with that movie. Me too. I think um I think it is yeah, it is the movie that you'd want to watch um instead of this one. Yeah. And it goes over all of the same things, all the same concepts, you know, has this sort of dual perspectives or tri perspectives, I guess. And you know, it it makes this this sort of intricate weave of things happening. Uh, shows you things from from different perspectives, and it's just really interesting. It it just has that engagement factor, and there is an awesome brutal duel, um, as the name implies. So 
what what's more to love <laughs> yeah i do think uh rashomon like i don't remember that much about it um which says a lot <laughs> i did like the scene where both of them like the two guys were like fighting but they were both super scared yeah that was probably yeah. one of the best like revelation moments in the film definitely but i put it as most unapproachable not only because it's from 1950 but it's in a different language it's one of those black and white movies i just feel like you have to be committed if you're gonna sit through this because i didn't i'm do i was doing a podcast on i didn't even want to finish it you know like i that that's (laughs) so yeah i the most unapproachable award for me goes to that to that one um but I think the heart of this award conversation probably goes to the next film we're going to talk about. Yes. Which I'm excited to dive into. Um, yeah, my um, You Just Don't Get It award is A Clockwork Orange. And I think it's hard to... It's 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 hard to, to say because I think... I think this, this is the one that I'm saying, like, you just don't get it a little bit to you. You know what I mean? Where it's like, there is some of that that tension where I'm like, I understand why you don't like it. I understand. it's It is unapproachable. Um, but at a certain point, there is something interesting. There is something profound being said in in the movie. And as disturbing and as kind of grotesque as it is, I think both of us kind of, we both had it are like big issues with it um, when we reviewed it. And I think we had a really interesting discussion, but the quality of our discussion was a, was a reflection of the fact that there was, there was something to grip into there, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. So I do want to say that uh, clockwork orange, the review that we did on this show is probably one of the best episodes we've recorded together uh, on this podcast. I do agree with that. But as I look back on these movies, and I did want to give this movie... I agreed with you, but we tried to vary our <laughs> our awards. Right? Yeah. Um, the hard thing about this movie is that I remember enjoying the reflection of deeper themes instead of enjoying the film itself. And all I can picture when I think about this movie is the eyes pulled open, you know? Sure, yeah. uh, In this this film. And I don't think about the um, incredibly deep conversation about free will and religion and morality. Um, It's left a bad taste in my mouth despite me sinking my fingers into what I think the movie could really be saying for good. And that's why just looking back on it now, I, I feel just as I did Mm -hmm. where it's like, you don't need to watch this film. Yeah. You know, that was one of those movies that I'm like, I'm going to do the legwork and try to run up the hill and, and try to present my arguments as strong as I can. Um, but I don't think that it is approachable whatsoever. I mean, I really do believe if you're going to get the value out of this film, you have to put in the work. Yeah. And that in and of itself 
is the reason that it is the most unapproachable film this year. Um, otherwise, don't watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I truly think that. Like, if if you're going to watch this film, you're either... I, I You should be absolutely disturbed. And if you don't put in any effort to find what the purpose of that, you know, exercise was, if you want to call it that, um, yeah, you're just... You're wasting your time. And... I, I actually think that Kubrick's other works are far, far better. Even even a movie that I didn't like as much, Eyes Wide Shut, I think, um, has a better reason to watch, which is surprising for me to say. Like, well, you liked Clockwork better than Eyes Wide Shut? No, no, no. I, I liked Eyes Wide Shut more. Right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I think there's more of a justification that that film is more approachable than than this one. It so. is, yeah. Well, and I, well, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say because I I do think there's a lot probably more said in Clockwork, but it takes more shoveling to get there. I, you know, it t- it takes more more digging deep into it, and so I I I agree, and I I do think this is the most unapproachable movie, maybe that we have ever watched. Oh, Monica Mana is probably, <laughs> probably in there. Uh, but yeah, I just I wonder at some point, you know, people like you said, like oh, you really have to like shovel to find it, you know. When you dig that deep, I think of a movie like Monica Mana, where it's like <laughs> the reality is this is actually just stupid, right? <laughs> <laughs> and digging for it is it's like that director invented a treadmill for people, you know, to watch and they could just run on it. They could just go forever, you know. The cables <laughs> on the car represent the strings of life, you know. Like it's just it's and I, I, I bring this up often, you know, uh on the show how I wrote some stupid paper in English class about, you know, toilets in the grapes of wrath or something like that, right? Um, and it was almost just me being, I don't know, psycho at that point in high school. But I was like, I just want to see how well the class will respond to this. Of course, half the class is asleep. My English <laughs> teacher was like, now this is a profound read into the grapes of wrath. They're talking about the value of porta potties for this family traveling. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I wrote that as a joke, and you just like took it as like, you know. I, I so- will give Clockwork much more credit than that. In that there is something. It's not like you're just digging in sand. There is something down there. There is some. <laughs> there is dig- a lot of things down there. <laughs> you're not digging in sand. You're digging in ash filled with landmines. That's like <laughs> that is the problem with clockwork, right? Like, yeah, maybe, is, maybe it is apocalyptic. But maybe the the landmines need to be cleared. You know, maybe the landmines need to be cleared. I'm gonna hang myself after this conversation. <laughs> we are part of the problem i would just say we're just going to leave it at most unapproachable (laughs) all Um, right well our next award um and this is kind of getting into the um the good ones i would say these are the sort of ones i think that we're we're more excited about but maybe not not thrilled but these are things that we're intrigued by this award is called the library of congress award um, and I know, uh, you know, people probably know this, but, um, 
lots of movies get nominated for sort of historical and cultural significance. Um, and, you know, this this is sort of our take on that where we think maybe it's not our favorite movie, but these are sort of movies that are significant in a certain way. Um, these are ones that maybe are are important in in sort of the canon, but maybe we didn't love entirely, but are are still worthy and and worthwhile being there. So, Isaac, what's your Library of Congress award? I'm gonna give it to Barry Lyndon, um, and I think this kind of piggybacks off our last movie conversation because. Barry Lyndon is the forgotten Kubrick movie. And it is not just a boring, like, historical movie, but, like, it should be in his, like, top three, in my opinion. Mm. I'm like, this is, like, like it is genuinely profound and beautiful. Like, it yes. is a beautiful movie. It is, yeah. Um, it's, like, masterfully done. And, like, no, nobody wants to talk about that. Um, <laughs> whereas, like, they want to talk about 2001, which I think is inherently flawed, right? Sorry, Tim. But it's, like, it, I, lo- I love 2001. It's, it's a, a, gr- a cool experience, you know? It has its boring moments, but it's also rewarding to watch in some weird way. But it's not like tied perfectly, like no, like Barry Lyndon is, you know, yeah. like Barry, Barry Lyndon, like start to finish is is um solely forgotten, and that's why I'm like, I we got to put this, you know, as, as a historical moment because we watched it on this podcast, right? And neither of us had seen it as well. That's an interesting yeah. part. No, def- definitely, and I just. I think it needs to be brought up in the Kubrick conversation more often. Mm. It should be brought up in the, I would say like in the cinephiles history thing, but I know a lot of people would disagree. They're like, well, what does it do that's innovative or anything like that? I'll tell you what it does. That's innovative. It's Kubrick making a normal movie (laughs) and it's great. You know what? (laughs) That, that should be talked about, you know, like it's fantastic. Well, what's um, interesting about this pick is it kind of works in in a couple different ways. One is that you want to nominate it because you think it's forgotten in some way. And so this is like a preservation award, you know. Oh, yeah. But the other one is that it it does it does have a certain amount of historical value, not for the content of the movie, which is actually what you're nominating it for, but because um it has <laughs> it has the um the fastest speed lens known to man uh oh. shooting the <laughs> the uh, the film and it was like a point zero uh, 0. 0.7 uh lens that that was shot it was like taken off of a telescope <laughs> and retrofitted <laughs> onto his cameras and that's the only thing that's ever talked about in from this film is like oh man isn't it crazy kubrick <laughs> used a a 0.7 aperture lens like that's that's crazy i've never seen the movie though (laughs) you can't even you can't even say like cameron come on that ending duel scene is like it's awesome it's so good it's unbelievable like it it's just like i don't know it uh but i find it i find it funny because both of us expected to go into it being bored to death basically expected to to be um, just unimpressed by it 
and kind of thought of it as a chore. I mean, it's a long movie. Um, but then we we both got together and we were like, wow, I actually really liked that. <laughs> like I thought I thought I was gonna be bored, but um it was kind of awesome. And there's a lot of really great things in that movie. <laughs> so um I appreciate that pick. I think it's totally, totally valid. Um anything else you want to say about about uh Barry Lyndon? No, don't let it be forgotten. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. I agree. Deserves it. It is a great movie. It really is. Um, my pick for the Library of Congress Award is not one that is forgotten, one that is very well known, very well loved, um, but one that I thought I would sort of cast this um, as this isn't a I should nominate this for the film canon. This is for me personally, this is an interesting historical memory um, or historical look. And that film is Vertigo. And one of the reasons, other than it just being an excellent Hitchcock movie, a really um, cool kind of mystery and having a lot of twists and and quite engaging as, as you know, uh, an entertainment movie. Um, but it's also a deeply San Francisco movie, deeply Bay Area movie. And I think for me, it has kind of this special place in my heart thinking about it um, as being like, wow, this this movie kind of means a lot to me, if that makes sense, because I live here because I know so many of these places. I think just the fact that it has the, you know, it has that old stump um, that's no longer there because it was burned in the fire um, from uh, Big Basin. You know, it has Fort Point which is just such a beautiful location, such a beautiful area. Um, you know, all of these things are like, they remind me of my own personal experiences. It's funny, that week, the weekend after, um, me and, and my fiancé, we've toured um, wedding venues in the Presidio. And I was like, wow, this is just like vertigo, you know? And, and so like that's tied in with it for me. And so I just wanted to put it out there as, you know, it's obviously a already historically significant movie. I'm sure it is in the Library of Congress. Um, but it's a significant movie for me because I have history with, uh, with San Francisco, with the locations, um, and with just some of these interesting set pieces that I think are so cool and so beautiful. So um, that's the one that I'm giving it to. I, I would say that that's probably one of the driving factors for enjoyment in Vertigo. Yeah. Um, the, the like time capsule-esque nature of the film is, is impressive, especially for um, both Cameron and I who are natives to the area. It's, it's super cool. Yeah, that big basin tree, you know. I remember when we reviewed it, you're like, it kind of, kind of hit me. It did. Yeah. Watching the movie, it you know? still hits me when I think about it, to be honest. Yeah. It makes me, it's like a bittersweet kind of thing. Yeah. Mostly bitter because it's not there anymore, but yeah. sweet that it's, it's kind of encapsulated in this really, um, you know, this movie that will be around forever, basically. I think that's really awesome and unique. So. Uh, when you told me it wasn't there anymore, too, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So it was like, that was like a, you know, live death announcement on the on the podcast. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it just yeah. hit me. It hit me. 
So let's do the next one. Well, our next award is tying in with the thing that we talked about first in this show, which is The Last of Us. This is the Cordyceps Award. Now, I guess we'll 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 give a little explanation. Um, cordyceps are little fungi that, in The Last of Us, infect people's brains and make them do crazy things. Um, but the movies that we're going to talk about have infected our brains, and that's kind of what we're what we're getting at. These are movies that maybe we didn't love immediately. Maybe we didn't, uh, you know, if if you asked us right after we watched them, we wouldn't have given this answer. But uh, thinking about it long, uh, you know, over months and months and months, these are movies that continue to to sort of creep into our brain and leave lasting impressions on us and make us reevaluate things, um, maybe the movie, maybe our lives, just things that are so, um, you know, deeply connected in that way. Um, Isaac, what's your Cordyceps movie? I am surprised to list what I put down. Matter of fact, some of the the awards that I gave looking at this year, I'm I'm surprised about. But the film that I think about the most uh, from this last year is 1977 Suspiria, mm. which I which <laughs> I did I really did not expect to put down. And there are a lot of films on this list that I consider, but I think what I've been surprised about with Suspiria is. It's impactful um, kind of curse on where I see its influences in media and how it's it uses so many creative elements to um, not just deliver kind of a campy, entertaining experience, but also something that is kind of like... It's it's hard to pin it, but it's like this sort of um, liminal space esque creativity. Mm-hmm. It's like familiar but new, and it it kind of haunts you, like as you watch other things. And its score is very difficult to forget. It's <laughs> funny hearing other people try to score movies with the inspiration behind mm. it. Um, there's just a, a mad fuel of creativity uh, in this film that I did not expect to find. I think some of the advertising for the new Suspiria had me really turned off to this film. Yeah. And it kind of has more of like a, a goofy, and we brought this up, like a goofy kind of like Harry Potter feel to it. Um, mixed with kind of like that slasher, you know, um like adventure but there's still kind of like i think i think the ending of the movie feels very um rewarding with the way that different areas of the school open up and there's all these like kind of hidden caverns and all that um there's just i think there's a lot to love in this movie i walked in pretty skeptical <laughs> like I, I was not going to enjoy it and all I could do is is just kind of marvel at what what creativity was made with not a huge budget and how um, even though a lot of it is cheesy now watching it, there are like these little moments that come out when you're watching it where you're like, wow, there is something kind of terrifying about that. Sure. Even though yeah. it's stupid. Well, I'm watching it and it's stupid. Uh, and it makes it, I think, uh, 
just hard to not enjoy when you watch it. I think that's kind of like the the cool part about it as well. And I got to say, all the movie a ton of movies that I watched afterwards, I've been thinking about this film mm. and how it how it might have impacted it. Um I know I brought this up on last week's episode, but um don't worry darling that Harry Styles movie that I watched. Like it's like just a wannabe with this. <laughs> um and it's it's cool. It almost it kind of made me like that movie more mm. in some weird way. Yeah. So I was like, oh, like they know about that movie too, you know? <laughs> and uh they didn't do it as well, but I'm like, I like I I like Suspiria. It's cool. Yeah. No, that was one for me that um me and Juzo saw I think we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but me and Juzo saw that in theaters. And it was like peering into like a like a party that is going on, but you didn't know about. But then you get up to the door and they all like invite you in. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's like, oh, there's something really interesting going on here. And I think just the color and the the creativity and the the beauty of the the movie, it totally does. Um, feed into other things and it does kind of infect your brain because once you start looking at other kind of campy horror movies in this light of like you know beautiful like blues and reds and you know strong at neon colors um, you know things kind of don't look the same anymore you're like I wish Argento was shooting this film you know what I mean you're like "I, I want I want like that splash of vibrancy in this dreary um like ugly film i want i want like a strong color or something you know where you're like you're like man i wish this i wish this was more suspiria like and that's what was so disappointing to me about the the remake is that it turned something that was um beautiful and kind of unique and interesting and and fun also scary but still had sort of its, um, you know, just a, a purity of of intrigue with the, you know, it it's it wants to be entertaining and enjoyable, um, and the new one kind of wants to be miserable and terrible, um, and that's fine for some movies, but it just doesn't sit well with me when I love, you know, I have such a love for the old one, and then the new one is just like a miserable time for me. So, you know, that's just, that's just me. I I know a lot of people do like it. It's kind of a, a polarizing movie, I would say, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't love the remake, but I do love Suspiria. Um, now the one for me, uh, the, the Cordyceps award, um, is one that I think is again, a little more personal, uh, to me. Um, it's, it's the deer hunter and, uh, you know, it's interesting how many of these movies that I'm choosing, we watched the first time for this podcast or I watched the Mm. first time for this podcast. Um, but this is another one. I, I hadn't seen the deer hunter before we watched it for war movie month and I fell in love with the parts that I didn't expect to fall in love with. Um, and in fact, some of the most sort of iconic scenes and, and like really striking sequences. Um, those are the things that I don't even think about or, uh, you know, I, those aren't the things that are burned into my brain. 
the parts that are burned into my brain are, you know, this, this quote unquote boring sequences, you know, the ones that, that you're not really supposed to think about that much while they're happening. Um, it's the wedding scene in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, after he comes back and sort of the change of the town, the change of him. Um, and, you know, so much of that movie I think about because of my own, you know, going, well, for one, going to your wedding um, and, you know, and then planning my wedding and, you know, my my brother's getting married. You know, there's a lot of those kind of thing, personal life things happening. I think The Deer Hunter has just, um, it's affected both of us in that way where we think about that as like, this is this is the good time before the bad time happens. You know what I mean? Where we're like, yeah, it might not be perfect, might not be exactly, uh, you know, what what we want, but these are the times that we're going to think about and remember and want to go back to um, in the future. And there's something very um, ominous about this movie where it, it, it makes you kind of look at what part of your life you're in. Is it the times where you're hanging out with your friends, having a good time, you know, drinking, being being irresponsible? Um, or is it the times when you can't do that anymore, when you can't have fun? You can't. Uh, things have changed. Um, and yeah, I just I love I love that movie. I love how simple but um, effective it really is. So that's the one for me. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that it's it's simple. It is it is something that I think about and I bring up to you often, especially in the season. And um, yeah, it's just it, it's funny because you say the iconic scenes. Um, I don't remember anything that happens <laughs> in the Vietnam section. You know, well, the iconic scene uh, is the is the Russian roulette scene. Um, which no, no, I, I, I know that there's a couple of those scenes, but yeah, that's not what I remember at all yeah. from the movie. Um, I think this film, and I, I mentioned this on our review, it does something where it creates a space that you get comfortable and kind of like, then it takes it away from you and makes you feel nostalgia for it all within its runtime. And it justifies its long stay but because it takes time yeah. to do that to someone in a in a viewing uh, i've never seen a movie do that i've seen a trilogy do that <laughs> sure sure um but i've never seen a movie do that and so i think there's there's a lot of power there and i do think that it's perspective you know the depressing perspective cameron you know i probably don't lean into that <laughs> um, by any means um, but I, I do think there is an important message about gratitude for where you're at. Um, I think one of the coolest par parts about this movie is that you see these characters that don't know what they have, mm. uh, and then they realize what they have. And so I think there's a really important call to action in this film. That's like, enjoy what you have now so that you're not spending the rest of your life wishing you had it. Yeah. You know? Totally. Again. Right? So, 
yeah, very. Pro- it's a profound movie, but yeah, it, it also has uh, that that cordyceps thing, and we have brought it up probably the most out of all of these. Films yeah, I think watched. so. Just personally together. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Yeah, very good choice. Cameron. Yeah. So before we get into, I would say these are like the, um, the 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 best the best picture, um, category. Though it is. Um, split up into two, but there's a reason for that. I do want to give you a chance to to put out some honorable mentions, some some fun awards. Uh, do a couple that are a little off the off the beaten path. So, um, if you want to talk about that, um, yeah, go for it. Okay, there's a few shout outs I wanted to give because I just I feel like there are way too many movies on this list that have impressed me. And that's why you made me watch Rashomon. So I, I, let me give it let me give it a, a second here. Um, nineteen seventeen, uh, which is a twenty nineteen film. This movie brought forward. I, I call it the first time watching Lord of the Rings award. I didn't expect this from a war movie, but I just think um, the movie does that like linear journey uh, better than I've seen most movies do it. And I think. The Fellowship is the closest to like how this movie sort of operates, um, but it's able to tie a knot in the length of one film. And yeah, check it out. If you haven't seen it, I remember a ton of people told me to watch this movie back when it came out, and I didn't listen to them because I thought it sounded kind of boring. I didn't want to watch another war movie. I was like, what could be, you know, Saving Private Ryan, right? Um, this has its own flavor. Do not miss it. Mm. I, I think I'm sure you can find a way to stream it for quite cheap if it's not on one of the services for free. And speaking of Saving Private Ryan, we did watch that this year. Um, it was in our Spielberg kind of month section. I, I just want to award it with the best revisit. I've always held this movie in high regard to rewatch it after watching so many other films. Just cemented its power. It is yeah. a... I mean, everyone's said enough, but after you've watched so many movies to go back and visit something that you remembered being amazing and it like being double as good, you're like, wow, (laughs) I just, I, that, that's where like the Spielberg conversation, like basically it's just like the home run, right? Mm -hmm. You can't argue with the might right there. True, true. Um, only, only other thing I want to shout out because I've been pretty high on this film for me. I haven't watched a lot of 2022 movies. Um, we are going to have probably a more in-depth conversation about this last year. Uh, cause I think there are some pretty like important movies that came out in 2022. And of course we got to milk that Oscar conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I cannot help but shout out our episode 100, our Nope review, just what a gem. I wanted to put this on the air. Tim Smith doesn't even like Jordan Peele, right? <laughs> he went to see this. He watched this movie, and he said he was amazing. Mm. He was oh, like, I okay. loved it. So I, I just want to say, if Tim likes it, you know, you can't really argue with that. Um, a lot of people that went to the theater to watch this with me did not like this film. Uh, <laughs> we got up and left. But it's just one that I cannot forget. And um, yeah, it's it's my movie of this year that I've actually seen. Uh, I have not seen too many movies this year. 
one of them was the most boring for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, don't don't miss note. But Cameron, let's do entertaining first. Okay, I want to do entertaining first. All right, so you go you go with yeah. That. Let's do it. Um, so this is our most entertaining movie of the year. Um, and we split it into most entertaining and most profound because I think those are the two things that we're kind of battling with, uh, you know, me and Isaac, uh, me wanting to to have movies that are that are maybe a little more on the artsy fartsy train, and Isaac wanting more of the entertainment bound movies. Though you know, I will say, um, I love, I absolutely love uh, entertaining movies, and I think there is something to be said about that, but. Um, Can I just interrupt you for one second, Cameron? Yeah. Because I just realized our our Cordyceps award perfectly explains like what you're saying. <laughs> Where for me, it's like there's that entertainment weight with Suspiria that I'm like, yeah, that's why it's the Cordyceps. And for you, Deer Hunter, is <laughs> like it's that like deep, insightful side. So I mean, just you know, personal like. If you if you haven't listened to us for very long, like that's where it's kind of coming from, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we giving it two awards gives us a good opportunity to kind of address two separate uh, <laughs> needs that we both have. You know? Yeah. Well, and I will say my most entertaining award is kind of a cheat because you did bring up the fact that this maybe is not an entertaining movie, um, and it's kind of a dark one. No. Uh, just. But I think it, it is. Deserves I it. think it is. It deserves um, it. So my most entertaining movie, and I would say my favorite movie that we watched this year as well okay um is seven i think this movie is just so good i you know and i would say you mentioned you know this is the one that or uh saving private ryan was the one that you were so stoked about rewatching. seven for me was the one that i was just thrilled about watching again and loving as much as the first time um and being just so uh captivated by it there's something it, i think it's a perfect movie just about i think it really is um and there's so many other movies you know this year not for the podcast but just personally i i watched uh, insomnia which is a, a nolan movie um made a couple years after the after seven but it's like it's like not i wouldn't say like almost on the level of seven it's it's a, a flawed movie it's not perfect um but it's one of those movies where you're like, man, I kind of just wish I was watching Seven. You know what I mean? Where it's like, mm, it's yeah. like, it is enjoyable. I do like the mystery, like the thrill of it. But at the end of the day, nothing really gives you that same sort of gut punch as Seven does. Um, and I was so excited to watch it with you. Um, I think we had just such an awesome conversation about it. And really, genuinely... Um, the fact that you loved it as much as you did was was maybe not surprising, but it was something that I was very happy about. Um, I adore this movie, and I think it I think it really does deserve to be the most entertaining one, um, even though there is some prof- profundity uh, to it. But it does uh, it's a thriller, you know. It, I mean, it's it's there. It's it's not like it's not trying to to wow you with the philosophy or anything it's a it's a thriller so um that's why i give it the most entertaining award what do you think about seven i just want to talk about oh it. yeah i mean one one of those rare 10 out of 10 yeah you know you watch yeah. it and you're just like 
this this cemented the fact that the Batman was the most boring film <laughs> of this year as well. Like you want to see a an exciting like serial killer movie, like there it is. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, if and and I know that the Batman like wanted to be inspired by uh, Seven. It just like if I had seen this movie before watching the Batman, I probably would have been like, oh, you know, like I just <laughs> this is just not as good sure. as Seven. So if you haven't seen this movie, um, go watch it. Go watch it. And then listen to our review, you know. But uh, yeah, it is. Sure. It is intense. It's dark. But um, even with all of that, and you know me, I'm pretty <laughs> – I feel like I'm fairly like – like reserved i'm like i don't really want to see anything horrifying i don't want to be disturbed in a movie <laughs> this movie like rides the line so close you know um it's 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 kind of like it's one of those movies that i want to make people watch and yeah it's i've seen it i think three or four times this year because of it mm-hmm. so um yeah i've really i really i agree with you i think i would have put this as the most entertaining movie, but I got a little bit of that cordyceps thing going on with my choice, which is also a thriller movie. Um, the silence of the lambs, Mm. 1991. This was a movie I did not want to like. That is what I'm going to (laughs) say. I wanted to tell you that I did not want to enjoy this movie. Um, but I found myself, especially towards the end of the film, uh, with it with its climax, I couldn't help but just be super excited to see what was gonna happen. It reminded me of when I had watched like Die Hard for the first time, mm. um, where it's just like I just I can't wait to see like what's gonna happen next, yeah. you know. Um, and every so much of it feels iconic. So much of it seems like it inspires what I love about Nolan's Batman trilogy. Um, a lot of, I mean, honestly, like it's, it is, it's, I I don't know. Like it's, it's just one of those films that I, I almost couldn't admit it when we reviewed it. I was like, I was like, yeah, that was actually really good. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, that's not just good. <laughs> like that was like, that was like, like super fun, yeah. you know? It's much more tame than Seven uh, as a thriller. It's also something that came out before Seven. Mm-hmm. So you got you kind of have to give it a little bit of credit. It doesn't have the same edginess to it. Um, although <laughs> it, it does have its, its weird moments. Um, but it just felt like kind of that not too hot, not too cold, right where it needed to be. Uh, I think there are some elements about this film that, um, didn't land completely with me, but needless to say, I'm surprised how how much I have thought about it. And and one of one of the other things that has really resonated with me, and I'll, I promise I'll wrap this up. But um, the uh, the lead actress and her character in this movie, like it is probably like one of my favorite like female protagonist characters in a film like ever now yeah um and i think maybe i was just maybe i've been exhausted by some of the modern um 
representation of female heroes. <laughs> this is maybe one way of putting it. But she is she is a force to be reckoned with, and her character is awesome in the film. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I think she's always like the person that that modern movies are kind of striving to capture or like yeah, that no, totally. the effect that they're striving to capture. But he just does it so well and so subtly. And there's something unique about her um, character that that gives her like um, it's not strength, but it is uh, it it is um, courage. I think courage is the right word. Um, and the you know like her background is um, you know reflected in that. And there's just some there's there's a lot of depth in her character where she is. Uh, you know, on one hand, trying to prove herself uh, not just as as uh, a new recruit, a new FBI recruit, but also as, um, you know, the only woman in the elevator and, you know, all of these things where she is is sort of engaging with the world around her in in that way. Um, but also she is a stronger character than many of the people that we see um, you know, beside her. And so there is something sort of, uh, there is a, a ton of depth in her character. I think that is just, uh, amazing. And, and I, I really, I agree. I love this movie whenever it comes on. Well, I guess I don't really have cable TV, but sometimes, you know, you see it, uh, you're scrolling through Netflix. So you don't have anything to watch. I always find this movie to be on for me, like maybe every quarter, I just like put this movie on and I I sit down. I you know mean to put it on in the background, but I end up just sitting down and watching the whole thing. And it really is one of those movies. So I think that's a great choice. It is um, amazingly entertaining. So um, yeah, I'll give it to you. Now the next award is the I Want to Be a Director Award. It's the most profound movie that we watched, um, and. I guess in in the name of that award, we're trying to invoke the fact that this is a movie that inspires you to to um, be an artist, to be a creative. This is something that gives you that that itch of like, wow, there's something so interesting and and um, marvel about this movie that there's you you want to you want to dive deep into into the creative process because of it. Um, Isaac, what's your most profound movie this year? We have watched a lot of good movies this year, but I didn't, nothing shook me to like my own core, like the social network did, which is a Fincher movie that came out in 2007. We reviewed it. This is a movie that, um, Juliana told me that I had to watch and I ignored her for a long time about it. And she was of course, right. I like, I have this, I have this theory that Juliana's a secret, uh, Fincher fan because she showed me, um, gone girl when we first started dating. And then she wanted me to watch the social network as well. She had already seen Zodiac. She really liked panic room. So I still have yet to show her seven, but I do think she's going to like it. It's just really intense. You yeah. Know? So I, I, I do want to watch that movie with her. It's just, I don't know when we'll get around to it. Um, but The Social Network, not only does it hit close to home because Cameron and I are both, you know, from Bay Area. So the tech startup world, like, 
it surrounded us. Um, but <sighs> let me start with like first my perception of going into this. I didn't want to watch a movie about like something that people won't shut up about in in the area that we live, sure. you know? Yeah. And the conversation around Facebook, it's like most people are pretty tired of that. What surprised me is that that is not really what the movie's about. Um, and it's kind of just a catch thing that will get some people involved. But what it's really trying to say is a lot deeper than, um, you know, startup culture. Uh, it has a lot to do with kind of the pursuit and sacrifice of greatness. And it shows it with a, um, a you know, a, a figure like Mark Zuckerberg, who I think most people probably have some issue with today. Um, and I think reflecting on like what I've seen from Fincher, it kind of um, puts what you know about Zuckerberg and kind of a, a dramatized, uh, not completely accurate version of his creation of Facebook and applies it to um, what you want to pursue and what you're creative about. I do think that the social network is actually Fincher really reflecting on his own creativity. Yeah, I think and so. And his own pursuit to, cr to create things as well. Yeah. And that just hit me, you know? And maybe that's, maybe that's because I am prone to, like, want to create stuff and be involved in that sort of thing. Um, but I, I got to tell you, Cameron, even to this day, I'm still thinking about, like, maybe maybe some of that stuff like just isn't worth it, you know? Mm. Um, because that's kind of what the movie leaves you with, right? It isn't a story about like you sacrifice everything and um, everything like is great because of it, you know? Yeah. Like it's a much different tale of success that's cursed by loneliness and a lot of bad situations, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it, it really, uh, rang with some wisdom for me. And, uh, it, it made me say like, dang, that, I haven't seen a movie like that, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so not only is it incredibly wise, but I think it is a thrill ride to watch when you really think it should be a movie that should be super boring, um, <laughs> totally. I think it is quite exciting and funny and entertaining. Like it, it does a lot of things to keep you engaged and, and wrapped up in. And I think the ending um, just really makes you kind of sit back and think, or at least that's what it did to me. So yeah. um, most profound for sure. Yeah. No, I, I do love that movie, and I think it's totally um, a great choice for this. It It is, um, like you said, I think it's more, you know, obviously the setting is with Zuckerberg, um, and he was a little bit upset because it's, it's not accurate. You know, it's not sort of trying to be one-for-one one him. Um, but I think, I think it really is a, more of a reflection on Fincher in that, 
this is the way that he thinks about his own process and this is kind of his own um battling with some of maybe the sacrifices that he's had to make obviously that's just speculation but i think i think there's something um and he gives a unique lens because he is very sympathetic towards zuckerberg he's very um it seems like he's very intrigued by him as a as a person and even if he does some some bad things he still has this empathy towards him that i think is really interesting especially towards the end of the movie um you know while it's it's kind of wrapping up its its character arcs and kind of leaving him as this very lonely um isolated figure um i think it has turns turns a lot of empathy towards him so it's an interesting it's a really interesting movie um my most profound i would say is one of it it is one of my favorite movies of all time and i think um it's interesting cuz i don't remember the conversation that we had about this movie um so i don't know if we had a good one or a bad one um but it's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and i think it's one for me that um has a lot of nostalgia in that i have always loved this movie ever since the first time i've watched it um it's always been one that that has kind of weirded me out um but in a really beautiful way and made me like sad and um contemplative about my own life and my own way of making decisions and i think the first time that you watch it um you're for some of it, you're trying to kind of pick up the pieces as it goes along. And the way that they string you along and give you information is very, um, is very, well, I mean, obviously it's backwards because the, the narrative is backwards, but you're kind of trying to catch up as you're watching the movie. Um, but then when you go back and you rewatch it, you pick up on so many more things that are, um, that are deep and meaningful within the the context of of the movie and and many of the things that you thought were kind of important in your first watch kind of fade away and you're left with um just simple interactions that you notice between the couple um and i think it's just such such an immaculately made movie i think it it really is one of my favorites um of all time and i i would highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it so yeah i do agree i was considering this movie for this award but i do think what's surprising about it is that not only does it have so much to say but it does it in a creative also again sort of liminal space or dreamlike state mm -hmm. right um, again, a lot of this movie revolves around like kind of the inception thing. Right. <laughs> um, but I, not only did I not expect that from this film when we started watching it, um, but it is just genuinely like, it kind of takes your breath away in, in a lot of ways. And it's fun too. It's entertaining. That's really what I was trying to get mm -hmm. at is that like, yes, it is one of those profound movies. You can think about it a lot. Um, but like you think about the scene with 
Jim Carrey as like a child, you know, <laughs> and that is just like hilarious. Like it's so much fun and it's extremely deep too. Um, that, that reflection on memory and there is a lot to love about this film. Even the side characters, I think have a ton of depth yeah. also, uh, with the doctor and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think this, this one was up there for me as well. I, yeah, just looking at this, the, the movie list, it's hard to be like, man, I didn't, <laughs> we didn't even talk about like the Paddington movies, yeah. which I know Juzo is going to be mad about. Right. I, re- our site, my, my revisit of Full Metal Jacket was really good as well. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great films this, this year that we reviewed. Uh, but I do think Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind does stand above a lot of a lot of them um so i do think that's a great thing and such a unique movie too um there's really nothing else like it even even the sort of inception concept which didn't come along i mean you know this movie semi did it first a little bit uh but you know before before inception though in a different to a different effect but um it really is you know, there's nothing like it. And that's why even something that I know you hate, uh, like I'm thinking of ending things, um, I give Kaufman a ton of credit because, for one, he he's just such a unique artist. He really is. Um, and he makes you want to think about movies in a different way, want to think about storytelling um, in a unique way. So I, I totally appreciate him for that. Um, and I will defend... I'm thinking of ending things to the death, uh, even though you hate that movie. So I'm not even I'm not even that fired up about it anymore. <laughs> you know? I gotta be honest. I just I just didn't like the talking. <laughs> most of the tri- most of the trippy stuff was kind of fun. I just it just became quite comedic towards the end. I was just like, this is just this is just really really going out of its way to be goofy. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it um, is. <laughs> Looking back on it, I'm like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> I guess that's fine. I think I think the first 20 minutes of that movie triggered. <laughs> they triggered did, didn't so you? They did. <laughs> I, I got I got so mad at the film. By the end, I was like, okay, at least there's something going on there. But um, yeah, you got you you were um, you were just annoyed that they were talking about stuff that you didn't you didn't want it to. You were like. You're like, what is this uh, inane dialogue? They're so dumb, you know. And you're like, okay. I like. There's garbage dialogue, great house scene, <laughs> more garbage dialogue, and a cool, like, not even cool. It's just goofy, goofy school scene that somehow created. Oh, I so. love, yeah, I love the school scene. I love the house scene. It's yeah, amazing. no, I, I agree. I agree with you. I I think the house scene is really good. I'm I uh, I was I was impressed with it. I, well, you know. in that kind of spirit, um, I would like to propose for next week um, that we watch a movie that maybe we haven't seen in a long time, but we did review for this for this show, and I think um, this movie will be interesting to look back on in hindsight. Because you are a lot more in depth, not only in in film in general, but also in this particular uh, artist. Oh, I guess before we do that, um, we should talk about the the best, our favorite director 
that we um, that we deep dove into this year. Yeah. Wow. This. I mean, we have <laughs> Spielberg, Kubrick, Hitchcock, and Fincher. We also put Deacons on there, but I don't think we're going to include him out of the four. These are some these are some heavy hitting names. They man. are. They are. They're hot. It's hard. This is a hard list. I'm I think it's gonna take me more time to love Hitchcock. I'm gonna just say I'm gonna knock him off the list for me. <laughs> where I'm at, and this is a dumb discussion, which one's the best this year, but where I'm at. Oh man. Here's the thing. Spielberg, I did not respect that much. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I did not going respect into him that going much. into the month, going into this year. Yeah. I did not respect him, and then something happened last year where you made me watch a musical by it. Yeah, <laughs> West Side Story, and I was like, "What the heck? What the heck was that?" You know, and you and, liked it, um, and I liked it, which I know I hate musicals, right? So suddenly, like, Spielberg's kicked up. Kubrick, it's like, oh, I love The Shining. And my experience with Kubrick <laughs> has been very up and down <laughs> this year, right? Uh, with uh, Barry Lyndon and Full Metal Jacket being so good. Dr. Strangelove, not my thing. Um, Paths of Glory, excellent. We didn't even get to talk about that in this overview. And then Clockwork being very difficult for me to wrap around, right? Um, so there's the highs and lows with Kubrick and then Fincher, man, like Fincher came out of nowhere. Most profound for me. Oh man. It's hard. It's hard to choose. I, I, I think this year just personally, like if I'm looking back, Fincher won for me. Okay. I couldn't tell you that, like, I, I didn't know anything about him before. Sure. Right? Yeah. With that being said, if I'm, like, looking at it outside the context of this year, I'm very surprised by the legendary Spielberg. Mm. Like, my perspective has changed so much on Yeah, him. yeah. Kubrick, my perspective has not changed that much. Like, he's a heavy hitter. The movies he makes, like, they are extremely unique, right? But they don't uh, inspire a lot of joy. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about him that kind of irks me, you know? And it's hard to not want to watch. Um, so, like, yeah, it's it's a confusing... <laughs> I have confusing emotions about, about Kubrick. He's undeniably has um, just this incredible he's an incredible visionary um but yeah i think just fincher blew me away this year i think what is going to be that resounding um infection is the spielberg infection that i have mm, right now. Mm. i think it's just gonna you continue. should get that looked at it's, just, <laughs> it's gonna it's just gonna continue to spread yeah, you know yeah. pretty soon i'm gonna have mushrooms growing out my yeah, eyes exactly. you know? and i'm just gonna be no I, I just, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it is because he just, <sighs> it's, it's easy to be like, I don't like him, 
And then if you actually sit down and like look at his movies, you're like, ugh, you can't not like yeah, it. Yeah, you just you remember know? how many just just uh, like incredible movies he he has actually made. (laughs) And he's one of those guys where it's like, it's cool to like make fun of him as being like kind of, you know, kind of sappy or like, you know, totally big Hollywood. Like he makes blockbusters and like, that's his thing. Um, But at the end of the day, you just can't deny he, he's one of the greats. He really is. Yes. It's, 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 I'll tell you exactly what it is, Cameron. It's the casual's favorite and the true cinephile's favorite. Yeah, for sure. That is for what's sure. shocking about it, right? <laughs> like, you got those middle of the road, like, I went to film class at community college. <laughs> I like Kubrick, right? But, like, the thing about Spielberg is, like, the casuals know what's up. And then the real, like, the hardcore, they're like, if you, I mean, you didn't even watch Spielberg's movie in 2022, did you? <laughs> It was profound. <laughs> it was incredible. And and casually like, what movie? That guy made Jurassic Park. Yeah, pretty know? much. Like, <laughs> like, what's the Fablemans? So. I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When is he making another World War II one? When's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, that's a, that's a really interesting choice. But I will say, I'm going to agree with you. For me... Of this list, or of the list of the movies that we actually watched, um, you got to give it to Fincher because he has made not only in terms of of just how great his his you know filmography is in general, but the movies we watched literally straight, um, like amazing movie after movie. It's 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 incredible the the track record that he has. And then on top of that, I watched um, a couple extra extracurriculars that I didn't even make you watch like the game, um, which I just, I loved. I thought was so much fun. Um, Even if it's not a perfect movie, but it is just, just so enjoyable. So for me, yeah, Fincher, he has, um, he's always been, a great to me, but I think just the fact that he he basically only has like one miss. Um, it, I mean, it's it's incredible, and the movies that we watch from him are just are spectacular. But I will say, um, the one that surprised me the most was Hitchcock, and that was only because I, you know, I've always said I'm not really um, not that I'm not a huge fan, but I just haven't seen a lot of his classics. And we got to sort of deep dive into some of the movies that I hadn't seen before. Um, and I enjoyed basically all of them except for The Birds, which I didn't really like that much. But, you know, pretty much all of his movies, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, this is enjoyable. He's got such a style, kind of a swagger of filmmaking. Um, and you you know kind of instantly that this is a Hitchcock movie it's going to have something entertaining. There's going to be something enjoyable in it. Even in the birds where it's like kind of drier than most of his movies. Um, I just love the scene where they're in the diner and then like everything goes into chaos. It's awesome. You know, so like there is stuff in that movie, even though I didn't like it that much. So I will say I, I, I want to give it to Hitchcock 
a little bit because I was surprised about about how much I like I liked his his movies. So maybe Hitchcock is just that layer below, mm. you know, Spielberg. Yeah, where it's like people were like, "Oh yeah, like I love the Twilight Zone, <laughs> like that. Give me that consumer kind of level stuff." And then I don't know. I mean. I'm not there yet with him, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a crazy year to say the it least. Has. And I think Cameron, you and I, we want to give some room to talk about 2022. You know, we yeah. have we have some authority under our belt. <laughs> you know, uh, we've done sure. too many episodes, right? It's time to it's time to get into the modern times a little bit and talk about what's been uh, coming out because I know that there are a lot of movies to discuss from this year. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's been, it's been a good, a good awards show, Cameron. Thank you for leading Yeah, it's us been, it's it been all. fun, but I want to get back to what I was talking about where I want to nominate a movie for next year that you have to watch. Oh yes. Um, and then I think probably February we're, we'll go into, um, uh, some 2022, love movies. no, 2022 movies. Oh. That's what we'll, <laughs> we did love movies last year. Okay. Enough love. I know, I know. Okay. You already got married. It's time to stop that. <laughs> um, More love movies. <laughs> I want to rewatch Sunset Boulevard with you. Um, yes. Because I think, for one, that movie is excellent, and I think you liked it originally. Um, but I want to see... I don't think... I don't think I liked it. I think my opinion changed a bit over mm, time. Maybe. So it will be fun to revisit. I... I there's not a lot I remember. Mm. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because yeah. I want I want to see sort of how much your your mind has changed. This is a good litmus test in some ways because there we go. Um, we watched it. It was our second episode. We watched it right after Breathless. Um, you Ugh. still had a hatred for black and white movies, which I think is no longer there in you. Maybe just a little bit. You just have a smidge <laughs> it's of that. Still just a little, but. Bit. Just a little but, bit. you know, this is a movie that you've seen before that you can kind of relate to in some ways. Um, and I think I think with the uh, the fact that we did sort of a deep dive on Wilder um, uh, a little while back, not this year, but last year, um, I think it's good to go back and rewatch this movie and sort of see where you've um, where you've where your mind has been corrupted by me and watching the movies that I make you watch. Mm. Um, so I'm interested. I just want to say if, if you're, if you're caught up on black and white movies, you know, what you can do, <laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> First, you got to watch a bunch of good black and white movies. Okay. So I'm saying like class, like Casablanca, you know, the great dictator, just like two of them, two or three of them. Sure. You know? Put put some of those black and whites back to back. <laughs> then watch a colored movie that's terrible. Mm. Like Scary Movie like, Four. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta watch you gotta watch um uh Gone with the Wind. Oh, sure. Yeah, but that's still an old movie. So, I mean But it's like technicolor, so it like tricks your brain. <laughs> and you and then you jump back, you watch like Paths of Glory or mm, something. Mm. And then you're like, man, you know, black and white, way better than those colored movies. 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean that that's a strategy. I think that works. You know. That's if you're really trying to break your mind. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go out of the way. There's not many black and white movies that you should watch. Wow. Um, I mean, but if you do want to watch some, <laughs> I think this podcast list will give you a good idea of what you should visit. No, I think yeah, but I think I think the fact that um well for one, I think Wilder was one of those directors who were where you you knew nothing about him. You were like, eh, just some old uh director, he's dead, you know, he shoots he makes black and white movies, boring. And then at the end, you know, you came around to really enjoying his movies and having, you know, a finer appreciation uh, for the things that he was doing. And I think The Apartment was one of those where you you were shocked at how much you enjoyed it. Um, so I, I'm excited to, to see what you think of Sunset Boulevard again, because um, for me, it really is a stellar movie. And I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll review the uh, re review that next week it's good it's awesome well cameron it's been great i gotta edit this show and post it yeah for the people to listen so thank you for your time we try to post every tuesday um we're pretty close to sticking to that <laughs> schedule <laughs> so uh you can you can uh, check it out then when it's uploaded. If you uh, enjoy the show and our small production, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars your way, get exclusive benefits. We'd love to hear from you if you're listening to the show. Uh, you can write in there or you can send us a message on Instagram. Uh, however you can find us, we do have, I guess, Podbean communication, but who cares? I would say Patreon and Instagram is probably the best way to get hold of us. You can tweet at Cameron and I or whatever. Um, and yeah, we would, we would love to hear from you about the show. All of the support helps the show grow. We appreciate you listening all the way to the end. Uh, you can share it if you like it, but we will be back next Tuesday. So we will see you then. I'm lingering and <laughs> stumbling over my words. <laughs> and support the show that sounds terrible. All right. As... <laughs> okay, guys, we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.